Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, after almost two, gosh, almost two and a half, three, almost three decades of playing with botanical method aquariums, I've come to sort of a conclusion that will not surprise anybody here. These systems are biologically diverse, and if given the chance, they're more than capable of meeting some of the nutritional needs of the resident fishes. Now, biologically diverse, well, that's the key, isn't it? There's a web of life out there ready for us to embrace in our aquariums, and if you've followed the tint for any length of time, you're well aware that we're not just pushing you to sort of play with natural botanical method aquariums only for the pretty aesthetics. I mean, yeah, they look awesome, but there's so much more than that. We're almost as obsessed with the function of these aquariums and the wild habitats which they attempt to represent, if you haven't figured that out already. And one of the most important functions of many botanically influenced wild habitats is the support of food webs. As we've discussed before in this podcast, the leaf litter zones in tropical waters are home to a remarkable diversity of life, ranging from microbial to fungal, as well as crustaceans and insects, and oh, of course, fishes too. These life forms are the basis of complex and dynamic food webs, which are one key to the productivity of these tropical habitats. Now, by researching, developing, and managing our own botanically influenced aquaria, particularly those with leaf litter beds, we as hobbyists might be on the cusp of finding new ways to create nurseries for the rearing of mini fish fry. We've talked about this a lot. At least upon superficial examination, our aquarium, leaf litter, or botanical beds seem to function much like their wild counterparts, creating an extremely rich microhabitat within our aquarium. And reports from those of you who breed and rear fishes in your intentionally botanically stocked aquariums are that you're seeing you know, great color, more regularity in spawns, and higher survival rates from the fry of some species. We're just beginning here, but the future is so wide open for really huge hobby-level contributions that can lead to some serious breakthroughs. Let's consider some of the types of food sources that our fishes might utilize in the wild habitats that we try so hard to replicate in our tanks and perhaps develop a greater appreciation for them when they appear in our tanks. Perhaps we'll even attempt to foster and utilize them to our fish's benefits and unique ways, right? Maybe we'll finally overcome generations of fear over detritus and fungi and biofilms, the life forms which power the aquatic ecosystems that we strive to duplicate in our tanks. Maybe rather than attempting to erase these things which go against our, you know, Instagram influenced aesthetics or, or how, you know, of how we think nature should look, we might want to meet nature where she is and work with her. And then we might see the real beauty and the benefits of unedited nature. One of the important food resources in natural aquatic systems that are, are what are known as macrophytes. These are aquatic plants which grow in and around the water, emerge, submerge, floating, whatever. Not only do macrophytes contribute to the physical structure and spatial organization of the water bodies that they inhabit, they're the primary contributors to the overall biological stability of the habitat, conditioning the physical parameters of the water. Of course, anyone who keeps a planted aquarium could attest to that, right? Now, one of the interesting things about macrophytes is that although there are a lot of fishes which feed directly on them, in this context, the plants themselves are perhaps more valuable or most valuable as a microhabitat for algae, zooplankton, and other little organisms that fishes feed on. Small aquatic crustaceans seek out the shelter of plants for both the food resources they provide, you know, zooplankton and diatoms, and for protection from their predators, you know, fishes. Now, I've personally set up a couple of systems 
over the years, uh, recent years, to play with this idea of botanical influenced aquariums and um, have influenced, botanical influenced planted aquariums, excuse me. And I've experimented with going extended periods of time without feeding my fishes who lived in these tanks and they've remained as fat and happy as when they were added to the tanks. Something is there, literally. Perhaps most intriguing to us botanical method aquarium people are epiphytes. Now, these are organisms which grow on the surfaces of plants or other substrates, you know, leaves, twigs, etc., and derive their nutrients from the surrounding environment. They're important in the nutrient cycling and uptake in both nature and the aquarium, adding to the biodiversity and serving as an important food source for many species of fishes. In the case of our aquatic habitats like streams, ponds, and inundated forests, epiphytes are abundant and many new species will spend large amounts of time foraging the bio cover on tree trunks, branches, leaves, and other botanical materials. Although the most, you know, most animals use leaves and um, branches and, you know, as shelter rather than directly as a food item, grazing on this epiphytic growth is really important. Fishes spend a tremendous amount of time doing this. Some organisms like nematodes and chironomids, which you know are, we know in the hobby as bloodworms, will actually dig into leaf structures and feed on the tissues themselves as well as the fungi and the bacteria found in and among them. These organisms in turn become part of the diet for many fishes. And the resulting detritus produced by the processed and decomposing plant matter is considered by many aquatic ecologists to be an extremely significant food source for many fishes, especially in areas like Amazonia and Southeast Asia, where the detritus is considered an essential factor in the food webs of these habitats. And of course, if you observe the behavior of many of your fishes in the aquarium, such as kerosene, cyprinids, loricarids, and others, you'll see that in between feedings, they spend an awful lot of time poking at stuff on the bottom of the tank. In a botanical method aquarium, this is a pretty common occurrence and I believe an important benefit of this type of system. I'm of the opinion that the botanical method aquarium, complete with its decomposing leaves and seed pods, can serve as a sort of buffet for many fishes, even those whose primary food sources are known to be things like insects and worms and stuff like that. Detritus and the organisms within it can provide an excellent supplemental food source for our fishes, just like in nature. It's well known that in many habitats, like inundated forest floors, etc., Fishes will adjust their feeding strategies throughout the year to utilize the available food sources at different times of the year, such as the dry season, for example. And it's also known that many fish fry feed actively on bacteria and fungi in these habitats, so I suggest once again that a botanical method aquarium can be an excellent sort of nursery for many fish species. You've heard me talk about this over the years a lot. You'll often hear the term paraphyton mentioned in similar contexts, and I think that for our purposes, we can essentially consider it in the same manner that we do epiphytic matter. Paraphyton is essentially a catch-all term for a mixture of cyanobacteria, algae, various microbes, and of course, detritus, which is found attached uh, or in extremely close proximity to various submerged surfaces. Again, fishes will graze on this stuff constantly. If you look at gut content analysis of many wild fishes, you can find this in ichthyological descriptions and places like a Google Scholar and so forth and lots of studies online, you'll see that detritus forms a, a tremendous amount of food um, resource for many fishes. It's really important. And then, of course, there's the alochthonus input that we've talked about over the years. Alochthonus input is foods from the surrounding terrestrial environment, like flowers, fruits, terrestrial insects, stuff like that. These are extremely important materials, things that come from outside of the aquatic environment. 
We mimic this process when we feed our fishes prepared foods, when you think about it, as stuff literally rains from the sky. That's allochthonous input, right? Now, not exactly in the definition of allochthonous input because it doesn't really add to the environment. It just gives food to the fishes. But regardless, it's from outside the habitat. Now, I think that when we feed our fishes directly in this fashion, it's equally as important as what we feed, as, as in how we feed or when we feed. Personally, I'd like to see a lot more experimentation with foods like live ants, fruit flies, and other winged insects. Of course, I can hear the protest already. You know, not in my house, Velman. No, I mean, I get it. Who wants a plague of winged insects getting loose in their suburban home because of some aquarium feeding experiment gone awry, right? That being said, I would encourage some experimentation with ants and already fairly common wingless fruit flies. These are great foods for fishes. Can you imagine one day recommending an ant farm as a a piece of essential equipment, you know, for food culturing. I mean, why not, right? Kids had them. I had one when I was a kid, but never thought to use it for an aquarium feeder. <laughs> and of course, easier yet, we can also foster the growth of potential food sources that don't fly or don't crawl around. They just arise when botanicals and wood and stuff like that meet water. We just need to not stuff them out as soon as they appear. As many of you have known, I've often been sort of amused by the panic that many non-botanical method aquarium-loving hobbyists express when a new piece of driftwood is submerged in the aquarium, often resulting in this accumulation of fungi, algae growth, and biofilm. And I realize this stuff can look pretty shitty to a lot of people, particularly people that are trying to set up a super cool, high-concept aquasquake tank or whatever. But that being said, I think we need to let ourselves embrace this stuff and celebrate it for what it is. Sustenance, diversity, foraging. I think that those who maintain botanical method aquariums have made this mental shift already to understand and even appreciate the appearance of this stuff. We talk about this forever, right? Natural habitats are absolutely filled with this stuff in every nook and cranny. It's like the whole game here. It's an explosion of life-giving materials, free for the taking, a real gift from nature. Yet for a century or so in the hobby, our first instinct is to reach for the algae scraper or siphon hose, lament our misfortune with our friends, and get this stuff out. It need not be this way. Its appearance in our tanks is a blessing, really. You may call it a mess, I call it food. Another mental shift, I suppose, one in which many of you have already made, no doubt, or hope you have or can do. I certainly look forward to seeing many examples of utilizing what we got to the advantage of our fishes. Again, a truly natural aquarium is not sterile. It encourages the accumulation of organic materials and other nutrients, not in excess, of course. Biofilms, algae, detritus, all have their place in the aquarium, not as an excuse for lousy husbandry, but as a supplemental food source to power the life in our tanks. I've talked about this many times. I know you're probably sick of hearing it, but if you get one thing out of what we do, this is it. They're real gifts from nature. You, you know, the benefit that you can get by simply working the web of life that arises without our intervention as soon as leaves, wood, and water mix. Keep making those mental shifts. Meet nature where she is. She won't let you down, I promise. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.